Coming to you from the M&M Exterior Studio in Nooksville, Virginia, this is Flushing It Out with Samantha Spittle, the introvert's extrovert. She talks to people so you don't have to. For now. So I struggled with PTSD when I came home from my deployment, and I went through a really long, dark period of not not being diagnosed and just ignoring the problem and thinking life was fine the way that it was. But Mm -hmm. then when I finally, I guess, was at my breaking point or when I finally recognized I need help, needed help and started to get help, the, the way that I saw the world and the way that my life is today, is like night and day. It's like, I like to say it was like, I was in a dark room, but I'd been Mm -hmm. in the dark room for so long that it felt like it was normal. And then now when I look back, I can see how dark it was compared to where I am now. Yeah, I was just going to say your eyes adjusted, you know, just like for us, we get in those dark places and you don't remember, you know, what it's like to not maybe. And so it just feels normal. Yeah, because if everyone, if, if anyone asked me, I would have been like, oh, my life's fine. I mean, I'm married. I have, I, I have a son and then I had two sons and like, I felt like, everything was going well, but it was really just, I had gotten used to like the way I felt inside and I thought that was normal. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, first off, thank you for your service. Um, As a military brat, you know, an army brat, my dad, I, I joke that I put in my 18 years, um, but I, I don't even feel right joking about that because what I did, nothing in comparison. And so I do truly thank you for your service and I appreciate you bringing light to this because it's, I mentioned it um, earlier, I had made a post about it that what I love about the podcast is it serves as a platform for people to share their stories because not everyone's at a place to talk about whether it's PTSD or other things that affect us. And if someone like you is able to, not only does it hopefully help you, you know, we all know that the more we share our story, it's healing, but then to help other people as they're on their journey. So I just truly thank you for being willing to share and um, continue to heal and grow and be open about that. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And I think military kids, they, they, they play such an important role in the military family and they don't have a choice. So, I mean, I really think your 18 years of being a military kid, you experienced life that so many, I would say normal Americans didn't have to go through. So it's not the same, but it is still a sacrifice and, definitely worth thanking you for what you do. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. So take us back. So um, were you, so you joined the military and deployed. And so what was kind of the beginning like is this, because I read on your website, um, airmen to mom, that, you know, the military trains you for combat and they teach you all the logistics and everything. And it's no surprise just because the world we live in, you know, that the mental health side is not talked about. So before we kind of talk about the aha moment when you came back and kind of started healing, how, I guess, how did it start? So I was in the Air Force, but I deployed with the Army. And so a lot of people don't know that women were attached to infantry units long before they were allowed to be in infantry Mm -hmm. units. And so in 2010, long before women were allowed in combat, I was attached to an army infantry unit. 
And the team that I was on was a mixture of Air Force and Army and National Guard, active duty. It was like a hodgepodge of like misfits, I would say. (laughs) And so there was a lot of dynamics of like not understanding the different military cultures and like a lot of infighting in our team. Our commander ended up Mm -hmm. getting fired. So my PTSD, which is another reason it was so hard for me to diagnose, Mm -hmm. was not from combat. I did see combat, but it was really from the infighting on the team and the people that I had to go off base with into a combat zone were the same people who were like spreading rumors about me behind my back. And Mm. like, and there was all this drama and fighting within the team on the base. And then we were supposed to go off base. And my solution was, I'll just not think about these particular people that hurt me and just Mm. like bury that deep inside of me. And that was eating me alive. And so I think for me, a lot of my struggle was like, I did see combat, but it was very minimal. And so I was like, I'm fine. Like PTSD is when you like go, but, but there's another level of like when the people that are supposed to be protecting you are the same people who are hurting you inside the base emotionally, it causes a lot of damage, especially when you try and ignore that it ever happened. Yeah. I mean, when I was listening to you say that, it's so similar to people who experience family trauma because, you know, when you're betrayed or hurt by your family, but no one talks about that because no one wants to betray their family, just like so much in, you know, combat you go through the, I mean, I don't know from experience, but from reading you and then just other friends in the service, it's like you go through this crazy time that bonds you, but in kind of maybe not the healthiest ways. Like you said, I think you alluded to that on your website, you know, about the coping mechanisms. So, um, so I appreciate you bringing that up because you also said, oh, well, I didn't see combat. And so often we compare our hurt and pain because I love how you talk about your hurt and pain that you kind of stuff, stuffed inside. You know, everyone's struggles are different. And I always like talking about the universal truths because we always want to compare like, well, it's not as bad as what she went through or it's not as bad as what he did or my trauma isn't X, Y, Z. And, but someone, and I wish I could give the credit to, but it's basically like whatever you've experienced that causes your trauma, you know, or your pain and hurt, you know, to put it in other terms, it's, you know, may not be the same, but it's like internally and it does the same stuff to our brains and all that stuff. And so kind of wanting to, for me, especially wanting to take that stigma away and take those qualifiers out of it that, you know, if you've experienced pain in some way, it is valid. So I appreciate you. Yeah. Yeah. Because we can get into this comparison zone of where, well, my hurt's not as bad as this hurt. It's like, it doesn't matter. Like, it's not a competition of mm-hmm. like, who has the worst life or who's yeah. experienced the most trauma. It's living the best life that you can. And yeah. if you're not living it because you've been hurt in some way and you're not dealing with that hurt, then you you should because yeah, yeah, that definitely yeah. stopped me from getting help for a long time. Yeah. So you, so while you were over there, you talked about, you know, the different branches that were all kind of thrown in together. So like you said, it's like misfit, you know, everyone comes together. I mean, all you have to do is watch some movies and see, you know, the way everyone talks smack about each other. And it's, it seems comical in one way, but in real life, it's really not at all. And like you said, you go, you're in this setting where you literally have to put your life in someone else's hands. And when there's that pain, even at, like you said, you know, spreading rumors, it's like, it just, I think it eats away at the core of who you are because you plant those seeds of, of hurt. So, um, 
So you came back, you, you experienced that. And when you came back, I remember you said um, it didn't feel, you thought you were fine. You know, like you said all the right things, checked all the boxes. So what kind of started to change? Because I think so many people walk around knowing something's not quite right. But once again, they go back to the qualifiers, either mine's not that bad. I didn't have XYZ happen. Or it's just like you said, you're in the dark for so long, it feels normal. So what was kind of starting to change for you? I can't even really remember what it was. I think my sister was going through some trauma of her own. And she and I talked about some of the stuff that happened in our childhood and Mm. some of the triggers that she mentioned that she was going through. And so then I started looking into how I could get help because just her story really resonated with what I was going through. And I just felt like there must be something wrong because I really, I really was fine up until I had kids. And then, you know, the not having sleep and the having a person who like needs you all the time. Mm -hmm. And I was like under all this like pressure. And so like the negative parts that I could pretty much keep hidden when I didn't have overly tired, exhausted and taking care of a new, a newborn, I was like, I'm fine. But I, I would lose my temper when I was with my young son and in a way that was like, not like I yelled at him, but like, I would like, kind of be outside of my body. Yeah, yelling like, at yeah. Him. yeah, like a and little, it sounds like disassociation or something a little bit, or, or that might not be the right term. But yeah, kind of a remove from your body. Yeah. And so and then something would snap, and I would realize like, what was happening. And thankfully, it was verbal. I mean, it not thankfully, because it has its negative side effects. If I ever raise my voice with my older son, he like freaks out and I have to like remind him like mommy had problems. Mommy got help. She's not. And so it it's but I would like it would just be so horrible. And he was like a little two year old who didn't need his mom acting crazy. And so I remember calling my sister after one episode and crying and being like, I can't be this mom. I can't be this person to my son. And I, I didn't think there was any way to stop being that way. Mm -hmm. I thought that this was my life, but she was like confident that I'd be able to get help if I dealt with whatever was inside of me that was causing that to come out. And so I started going to a program and at the the same summer, we did a parenting class that was talking about like, um, about like how we love people and it talked about like feeling your body and the psychology and I started feeling my body of like when I would get angry and so before I would tell spin I could stop because I could feel like my chest tightening and my shoulders and like all those like cursory signs that I had never felt before and so I could stop and pull myself away before going or if I did get angry and started to tailspin I could stop it quicker than before because I wasn't you know like disassociating like you said and so through those the I started going to a 12-step recovery program and doing that class combined it really helped me to get in tune with like feeling my body and and then dealing with the emotions of the stuff the 12 steps helped me like tell people about the hurt that was inside of me Mm -hmm. that I was ignoring So it was a two-step process. Yeah. I appreciate that you said you thought it was just the way you were. And how often are people, and that's like a 
that's like a trigger for me. And if it's like, well, this is just the way I am, you know, like, mm -mm. Right. <laughs> nope. <laughs> so I'm glad you brought that up because if someone's struggling, and I think like you said, when you're in that dark place, it's so easy to just like, well, this is my life. You know, this right. is, I can't change who I am. And you kind of sharing that is really powerful. And also um, the awareness of your body. That's such a big thing. I'm learning, you know, just the more I've talked to people, read, followed, you know, online, you read about healing and, and trauma and whatnot. And so much of it is that being in tune with our body. And so um, I appreciate you sharing that tip kind of to move through it, to kind of experience yeah. that. Yeah, you, you can get really in tune with what your body is telling you and your body remembers certain circumstances that maybe your mind has purposely forgotten. And so I, I got in a, um, in traffic <laughs> a few years, this was like, after I had gone through my like recovery program um, and I hadn't had like an episode in a long time and I got stuck in traffic and we needed to get somewhere, but I like, we couldn't move because there was like cars all around us. And I went like straight back to Afghanistan and my boys were in the back of the car and I was like, mommy is having a freaking out moment right now, but we're safe. Like I knew we were safe, but like I couldn't stop from like freaking out so I but I was still present in the moment so I was like telling the boys what was going on inside like during the situation and so then after the situation because I had stayed present the whole time I could talk to them about this is and like it's it's really interesting because I talked to my oldest a lot more obviously I have a four-year-old and a seven-year-old and like he knows that his mom deployed to Afghanistan even though I deployed in 2010 long before he was born but he he talks to me about like the trauma of being overseas and like how that impacts me because he's seen it and so to have that open conversation so that he knows like what's going on instead of trying to be like I'm fine like we're just gonna pretend that never happened instead now we go back and we talk about it and we have a really open dialogue about what I experienced overseas and I mean at a seven-year-old level, not like all the details, but yeah. it's really important. I think for me as a parent to be able to stay present in the moment, because before I would like not be there. And mm. so I couldn't even really talk to him. He was two at the time, but now yeah. he's older. And so that was like, I think that was about two years ago. And I just like, it was really like stress, stressful and frustrating to be in that like PTS moment, mm. but also really encouraging to see how far I came because I, could feel everything that was happening. And I just, I couldn't help but react the way my body was trained to react. And so mm -hmm. once we got out of that situation, got out of the traffic, I was able to calm down. But it was, it was interesting to see how different the reaction was from just a few years ago. Yeah. And that's really powerful too, to be able to communicate that. And as you said, like appropriate for Lee for a seven-year-old, <laughs> but that's such good modeling behavior because I think so often something that I've been working on too is it's the whole idea of apologizing to our kids, you know, because we're human, we're going to make mistakes and we're going to lose our temper and things like that. But I think modeling the, you know, not only the apologies, but for you, especially the healing is crucial. So what about like the programs do you think, how did that help you maybe in the journey to kind of get to that place of not being associated with your body to now, you know, being more associated and being able to talk through it? 
I think it was the first time that I started to share my story and it was a safe place. And like you said, there's power in sharing your story with other people. And now I share my story publicly, which is a little bit scarier, but in a room full of like eight women that we meet every Friday and we share, like everybody shares these deep personal stories and you know, it's a safe place because no one's going to talk about that outside the room. And so to take that stuff that was like hidden deep inside that like I didn't talk to anyone about and then to tell someone and like and just it's interesting how when you're in a group setting and everyone's sharing you can feel the emotions you can get um, you can learn from other people in that vulnerable place and so I think it was bringing that dark truth that I had hidden inside of me and that pain that I was pretending wasn't there at my first meeting, I think I said three words and then I just started bawling because like I need, I knew once I got there that I needed to be there, but I was in denial for so long. So just bringing that pain and those hidden things to light um, has really changed everything along with the, I think also having that class, the parenting class that was like all about psychology at the same time was like, it went together so nicely. Yeah, I think I love um, psychology and, and brain science and whatnot. And for me, and I don't know if this was similar to you, but for me, I love having that side by side when I'm talking about emotions and healing and pain, because it makes it feel, I just, I know that I'm someone, I carry a lot of blame, you know, for my issues, you know, that like, and, and I think I read this, you had written it like, well, if I, I know I can get over, I, I know I can work through this, I just have to do it. You know, I just have to do it. Like, it's kind of the joke. There's a joke now. You see a lot of people like, oh, someone gave me a tip for getting over my anxi anxiety. All I have to do is relax. That's all. Just relax, you know? And I feel like, well, if I just try hard enough, then I can help whatever it is I'm struggling with, whether it's, you know, anxiety or depression or just any other, you know, struggle. And we forget that it's, you know, through the the seeking help and things like that. And that it's not our fault. You know, at least like I said, for me, it's just always comes back to like, I'm not trying hard enough. I'm not doing enough. And when you kind of understand the brain science behind it or how our brains cha change when we experience trauma that can lead to PTSD and whatnot, I think it, it provides for a much safer space to, to have those conversations. So. It's true. Cause I could have totally felt super guilty for having a PTS episode of being in the car because like I'd been home like nine years, I think. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't had any, and I never had like a similar type experience, but I did. And instead of being like, wow, you suck because you had it. Like, I was like, let's, let's see how far I came and like how I dealt with that situation instead of being like taking the shame route or feeling guilty. Like, I haven't been, I've been doing a lot of meditation and that's, that's been in the last year, that's been so helpful for helping me to just be more mindful and to have peace. Yeah. Is, is the group, so do you still meet with the group regularly every Friday for your? No, um, my husband is in the military still and we moved from California to Virginia and before COVID he was traveling a lot and it was really hard to get out of the house and build that new group connection. And so, yeah. and so that, that also, that was right after we moved. So that probably could have had something to do with it. So yeah. I've been meditating this last year, which has been amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. I knew, I know I need to do more of it, 
because since doing it myself too, I've seen kind of the difference it makes. And just like you said, getting in touch with your body and helping whatnot. So I know you started a podcast too, and where you share stories of other women. And so what's kind of the driving force behind that for you? So if you do a 12-step program like AA or an Al-Anon, at the end, the 12th step is all about giving back to your community and helping. And so the podcast is my way to give back and to help people because I feel that many people don't know the stories of women in the military. I mean, yesterday I just got an email where someone was like, I'm a military spouse and I'm going to be on your podcast. And I'm like, no, that's where it's women of the military. Yes, I know military spouses are you know, connected, but this is about women who've served in the military and their military story. And so I just feel a passion so that people know what we've done and what we're doing today. And so it's the way I give back. And I just love talking to women and hearing their stories. Yeah. And what's something you would, I guess, maybe whether it's from what you've learned on your podcast or your own life, in addition to, you know, kind of erasing the stigma of mental health, raising awareness for the PTSD, what else do you want to share about women in the military? So for my podcast, I don't discriminate if a woman veteran wants to, I mean, I have a limited amount of time, but (laughs) if a woman veteran wants to share their story, I want to give a place for women to share. So if you're a woman and you're a veteran, then I make sure there's openings on the podcast calendar just for that qualification. And that's filled by a first come first serve basis. And so the, some of the most interesting stories you would think you read like their, when they served and how long they served. And, and you could say, that's probably not really that interesting. And then I do the interview. I'm like, that was the most amazing story I never expected. And so I think there's a lot of, stereotypes and judgments about like when people served and what their experience was like, especially for women. I got a chance to interview General Wilma Vaught and she served during Vietnam and she also deployed to Vietnam. And so she told her story of what it was like. And I didn't know women outside of nurses deployed overseas during Vietnam. And it was just interesting to hear her story and just amazing what women have done. I've done a lot of history dive into history of like women all the way back from the revolutionary war till now have had a huge impact on the military. And so many people don't know that. Mm. I think I got a little excited. (laughs) Yeah. That's how I love. Well, it's funny because so much of my podcast, you know, I, when I interview someone, it like starts of, you know, like, okay, you know, this is like the topic we're going to talk about, but I always get excited when it's like, well, what are you most like, what gets you fired up? Because that's the thing that I always feel like, you don't expect, but when someone hears that, they're like, well, now I want to know more about that. So in that, in that essence, what about um, kind of learning more about women in the military? Like what kind of things are you learning? I guess that get you fired up about that. So I think I just have learned so much about the history of military women and about these like trailblazers. And the coolest part is like some of the trailblazers are like trailblazing stuff right now because there's new barriers to be broken but then there's also women who served during world war ii there was like this group of uh, radio operators the signal corps i can't remember exactly but they like were out on the front lines doing all and i was like nobody even knows about this stuff and so it's just crazy to hear all the different stories of like what women have done then and like 
And one time when I first started, I interviewed someone and I was like, were you discriminated when you were in the military? And she's like, no, but I did get kicked out of the Air Force or Marine Corps, I think, when I got pregnant. And I'm like, that's discrimination. (laughs) But that was like the normal thing. If you got pregnant, you got kicked out of the military. And to see that, like how much has changed and now women can be moms in the military and like and even just like in the 70s, I think. One of my guests wanted to be on a ship in the Navy, but since she wasn't, she was a single mom, she had to like give up parent, what is it? Parent custody. Yeah. Yeah. She had to give up custody of her daughter to be assigned to a ship, but they didn't make men do that. They only made women. And so it's just to see like, it's like little stuff like that, where it's like, you think it affects maybe one or two people, but it has a huge impact on the force as a whole and just to giving women the opportunity to advance and make changes. And so it's exciting to see all these little things coming together. Yeah, for sure. Um, Before we talked about, you know, I think people sometimes you mentioned before with your kind of with your story and like kind of struggling and know that something was, you knew something was off, but kind of assumed it would get better. And so we kind of talked a little bit through that, but I was also thinking how have people so a couple different questions. How have people supported you or, and then also maybe transitioning into how can someone support someone who might be struggling with either PTSD or almost more importantly, undiagnosed X, Y, Z, whether that's going to be PTSD, PTSD or something. Cause being that you've walked that, um, uh, cause my, my intention with asking is I'm thinking back to me. So I had some struggles, um, and it, for me, it was migraines. And I wasn't sure if it was, is it the pain of the migraines or is it depression? You know, it's the chicken or the egg, which comes first. And for me, I have lot, I have great support system and lots of encouraging words. Um, but it was, wasn't until a friend of mine said like, maybe you might be depressed. Like maybe you might need something because I kept carrying that weight of, I can do it on my own. Like I just need to eat right. I just need to do this. And and it was almost like when she said that, I just burst into tears. So it reminded me when you said you went to your meeting and you cried and you couldn't say anything, but you just knew you were in the right place. It was like when she finally almost like lifted that veil of shame of like, maybe you just <laughs> need something, some extra help with that. And I just cried. And I remember thinking like, I just felt like someone finally kind of acknowledged that pain that I was, that I couldn't put my finger on. So being the road that you've walked on. Um, how have people helped or how could someone help someone struggling? I think, I think being brave enough to ask people if they're okay. And I saw a thing where it's like, people are like, no, how are you really? And like, I think sometimes it's okay to do that, but sometimes like, it's not okay. I remember my friend had postpartum depression after her like fourth child. And we went to this is when we lived in California, we went to Disneyland together and like, she was like freaking out because of, I was like, what do you do? We go to Disneyland all the time. Like what's going on? And then she told me about how she had a panic attack. And like, I was like, Oh, cause I was like trying to figure out why she was freaking out. Cause like we go to Disneyland all the time. Like, I mean, yeah, you have a baby, but we did it with other babies. Like what's the difference? And she told me about like, her postpartum. But at the time, I didn't take the time to like, ask her, like, I just kind of was like, 
why are you acting crazy? You know, like instead of being like, Hey, she just had a baby, maybe there's something going on. And so I think it could be like really small stuff. Like I completely missed it. Even though we, we were doing like something we had done before she had her daughter and she was like saying stuff that like wasn't computing with like at the end of the day, she was like, I can do this. And I was like, of course you can. It's just Disneyland. And then um, afterwards, she told me like a few months later that when she came out publicly about how she had been struggling with post or with um, postpartum depression. And I was just like, oh, like there's people hurting all around you. And sometimes I think we don't see the signs. And so I wish going back, I had stopped and been like, you're saying stuff that doesn't make any sense. Like mm-hmm. what's going on and get more into that detail and then maybe be able to help her more um, through her situation. So, yeah. And it's hard though, because you have your own stuff too. So <laughs> it's one of those things that we want to be there for people. But I think I also need that reminder periodically. That's like, well, we're also dealing with our own stuff. So I think that's why it's important to that if, when we're struggling to not take it personally, sometimes if people, you know, cause we're never going to get it right. There's not, I always want there to be an, an, an exact manual or solution of like, okay, I want to be a good friend and I don't want to miss it, but we're human, you know, so we're not always going to, to make it. So I think having those gentle reminders of, you know, when someone's acting different, you know, to pause and maybe ask them, but they might not be ready to talk about it too, but at least, you know, gently approaching it. um, But then giving grace to ourselves and them, you know, that we're not always going to catch it. So, yeah. I think the main thing is if someone does come to you and they're hurting to not brush them off because I didn't mention this, but when I got home from my deployment, a lot of the reason I felt I was fine was because I thought there was something wrong and I went to a counselor on base and she was like, you're fine. You know, you'll get better with time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that stopped me from getting help because I like went to a counselor and she told me, she looked at me and thought I was a female who, I don't know what, she didn't ask me about my service or my deployment. She was just like, you came home from deployment. It takes time to adjust back to the United States, which I agree with. But I, when you go to a counselor, there's probably a reason that something's going on. So if someone, mm-hmm. I guess that's better advice. If someone comes to you and they say like, something feels wrong, or I don't feel like myself, then listen to them. And don't assume that you know what's going on inside their head. Help them find the resources. I mean, having someone to talk to as a friend is probably helpful. But if someone's really struggling, like you need you need either a counselor or a support group or something to find healing. You can't just talk it out one time and then be better. That is huge. Thank you so much for sharing that because... I think so often we, we want as, you know, people, and especially when you're a friend or a loved one of someone struggling, you want them to be fine. So I can speak from experience. I know I've projected that on people like, you're fine. You're fine. Cause I need you to be fine. And like, I'm so glad you reminded us of that, that if someone comes to you and does say something, giving them that safe place to start unpacking it. And, you know, you might not be qualified to take it on, but just being an non-judgmental open ear, I think can provide so much healing. So. Yeah. yeah. Cause it's really hard to come forward. Like I think sometimes people think that it's easy. Like mm-hmm. the first step is the easy step, but it actually the first step of like getting help and like saying that there's something wrong and that you need help is 
probably the hardest step because once you find a counselor or a support group, they're yeah. gonna like take you the rest of the way there. Yeah. Like they have all the tools, but you figuring out that you need help—that's that's the really the hardest step. Wow, that's really good. I love that you said that. It's the hardest step is based, yeah, figuring out that okay, you do need help because once you get there, they're gonna take you the rest of the way. That's so beautiful. So beautiful. It's like, you just have to get in the door. Just get on over here. Get on over here. Um, I'm glad you brought up that reminder that about people when they open up to you, because um, my husband, he, he did a podcast about starting therapy in January. So I can share. It's funny because when he kind of was thinking about it, I remember, you know, here I am, I have a podcast. It is about healing and dealing with our stuff and blah, blah, blah. And he actually came to me and said, you know, I think I might need to talk to someone about this. And I remember I literally said, I'm like, oh, I think you're fine. You know, you're fine. And it was like a few, uh, I don't know if it was hours or days, but I just got the most sinking feeling in my stomach because it's like that went against everything I preach, everything I thought I was about. You know, I thought I was this person who, oh, if my husband comes to me with a problem, yes, honey. There's no shame in seeking help, you know, and I just, I cut him off like, no, 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 you're fine. And it just, I still feel like crap about that. And then my own self, like, you know, struggling with like, you know, oh, I talked to every, you know, I talked, I have my team of people, but it's like, there's some disconnect there. But so anyway, I just really appreciate you bringing that up because here I am. If I was quick to shut him down, who has a freaking podcast about healing your stuff, then, you know, it's just. It's like, man, it, and you know, it's like our go-to. Like I said, we just want everything to be fine. We just want everything fine and we just, they're going to get over it and it's just too much. But I think that's why the more we deal with our stuff, because I know, and I can, I mean, he, I'd have to have him speak on this, but it's like, I'm able to open up so much more to him because he's processed so much of his own stuff. So now it's like, he's not as like, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. <laughs> you know, cause it's like, he's processing that stuff. So I just think that, that thank you for sharing that. Cause it's, you know, hits close to home for me. Um, and I think that just so often I've, I've seen that, you know, with other people that they just, they start to open up and they just, and I mean, I can, for my own experience, when I tried kind of opening up that I was struggling, you know, well-meaning, loving people in my life wanted me to be fine. So yeah, I appreciate yeah. that. It's true. Yeah. So moving forward, um, I appreciate that you shared the story, you know, kind of about um, a recent episode you had, it reminded me that, you know, healing is not linear, right? Like no matter what we're going through. And for me, especially someone who is internally a uh, recovering perfectionist and someone who prefers, a, you know, the right way to do things, it's easy for me to fall into that mindset where like, if I have a hard day or a hard struggle that it's like, well, there goes my healing. I thought I was so much better. And I appreciated that you brought that up. Be just to remind everyone that, you know, it's not linear and that there'll be hard days, but thank God the sun comes out again and good days come, you know, they're back and it doesn't negate all the hard work. So. Yeah. Because when I first went to celebrate recovery to start getting help, I was like, plan is never to get angry again. <laughs> like That will be never. success. <laughs> and then I started learning about anger and that anger is good because anger propels you to take action. Like when you yell at your kid because they're like going to touch something hot, it's because you love them and you don't want them to hurt themselves and not because you're a bad person. Like anger is actually inherently good. It's just how you use your anger that we often get a little <laughs> lost in the way. And so 
I think sometimes, yeah, we go into getting help and like, we're like, okay, well, I'm just, I have this bad habit. I'm never going to do it again. But like so many of our bad habits aren't a hundred percent a bad habit. Like anger is so important. Emotions are so important. So like being very emotional and like, but how you can like control those emotions and the tools that you can learn so that you can have like how you can use it in an effective way, but just to not have emotions, that's not, that's not a better way to go. And so that was one of the things I had to learn is that like emotions and like growing as a person, like you have to live your life and be a person. You're going to get angry, but how you react to anger and how that changes is really what's important. That's a powerful reminder. Thank you for that. Because so much when you're, you know, talking about your feelings, it's like there's no bad feelings. It's there's they clue us in, you know, to to different things. But it's kind of how we react to it, how we process it. So I appreciate that reminder because, like, I'm similar. I just don't want to. It's like with food. Oh, I'm just not going to eat this ever again, and that's going to be my secret to success. And I can speak from experience that's not how it works. <laughs> um, so, if people want to get in touch with you, whether it's listening to your podcast, maybe learning more about um, the recovery program you went through, um, and just other ways. I know that you support female veterans. How can how can they get in touch with you? So my blog is airmentomom.com and then my podcast is Women of the Military and you can find that on whatever your favorite podcast app is. And I also am on YouTube, not YouTube, LinkedIn, <laughs> Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Airmen to Mom. Awesome. Well, Amanda, thank you so much. I truly appreciate you sharing your story. And as I said, I think there's there's power as we both said, there's power in sharing our stories for healing. And I truly believe that there's also power in people hearing them because we're all in those different steps on our journey. And that the more people who are at a place to share, I just think it's, it, as you said before, you you do the podcast as a way to give back. And I think just every time you share your story, you're giving back. So thank you for that. Thank you. And that's a wrap for now. Thanks for listening to Flushing It Out with Samantha Spittle. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe and rate us on iTunes. For all things flushing, visit our website at flushingitout.com. This has been a Spitfire production. That was the greatest thing I've ever heard.